Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want. Hi everyone, welcome at Wave Act. Today with Max Comparetto, who is, as you might know, the co-founder of the Salesforce Web-free Studio. He's also Timepieces Community Council member at Time. And today we're going to talk about a super interesting topic and that's building a web-free product in corporate environments. So first of all, thanks Max for being here. It's really a pleasure uh, talking with you, especially since that we have, let's say, engaged somewhat on LinkedIn with each other for quite some time. And now finally we're here and yeah, starting out, I want you to give, uh, I want you to give uh, the opportunity to let us know whatever you want. Basically, what are you working on right now? What are some other passions, possibly, uh, what you maybe most people don't know about and you want to let us know? I don't know. Just the stage is yours and yeah. Cool. And yeah, no, we are long overdue. You and uh, Anthony Day, um, I used to follow like in the early days of, uh, you know, I'll call it like crypto LinkedIn because um, people call it crypto Twitter. But when I started, uh, you know, following more and more people in Web3 on LinkedIn, uh, you and Anthony were like two of the earliest ones, and now both of you have a podcast, and I listen regularly. So good to be here. Um, glad we're doing it. Um, so um, yeah, definitely appropriate topic. Um, like I've been working at Salesforce uh, on Web three product initiatives for the last two years. Um, I've done like similar pods um, and like uh, enablements on like this topic. Um, with like Diego Borgo, for example, uh, for his uh, class that he put out. Um, but um, I guess like crazy uh, story within Salesforce, how all this came together. Um, it, like I said, it's been about two years that I've been focused on product strategy, helping define the roadmap, um, working with customers and potential pilot uh, partners of ours to get feedback and uh, kind of close the loop on product development and like update our roadmap accordingly based on some of what we're hearing from uh, early adopters and pilot customers. Um, I have been with Salesforce for like five years. Um, I've done sales at Salesforce. I've done um, some like pre-sales engineering at Salesforce. I used to build uh, demos all day uh, for customers uh, to kind of help paint a picture of the art of the possible uh, with the platform. I still do that. Um, Sounds like fun. Kevin, I, I was like a couple, <laughs> a couple minutes late uh, to like logging into our hangout uh, today because I'm literally like buried in a uh, demo environment, like configuring a bunch of things. Um, that's like, if you talk about passions, uh, you mentioned um, kind of wanting to hear like beyond Web three what I'm into. Um, sure. I generally love tech. Um, like, I like being hands on with tech. Um, Sales was difficult uh, because you know it becomes this uh, scientific process sometimes, um, and you get into this like volume scenario often uh, selling to small business customers in a large enterprise tech company, um, where you see high volumes of conversations and you don't get to go like spend as much time and go as deeply and like get as hands on and slow down and build out really cool uh tech 
Um, so part of my transition to Web3 and like dealing with enterprises uh, who are thinking about their Web3 strategies, I'd like taken that uh, hobby back up of building uh, and like trying to inspire customers with what I build. Um, and that's like been a ton of fun. I'm into gaming um, outside of um, work, uh, but nothing like insane, uh, no like first party shooters or games where I'm going to uh, get incredibly frustrated or break my, my I controller. See. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I believe you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know that you might be uh, in the gaming, uh, perhaps more than me now uh, with a dev background. Uh, I have quite a few friends from my dev days that like never got out of gaming and are just deep into it. Um, I observe it. I watch it um and like pay attention to what's going on in the industry obviously with the relevant tie over um but um can talk more about um you know what we're focused on um but i, I think that gives you like a good idea overview of the role i play and like how all this camera kind of started a couple of years ago Sounds definitely exciting uh especially since let's say experimenting a bit trying things uh, if I understood it correctly, right, and uh, trying to integrate that into existing business models, especially, right, that's usually the challenge to not build something that doesn't make sense at all, but actually improves the user experience or uh, adds some value on top of an existing product. That's usually what it is about, right? And I, I would be curious now where do you see the main challenges when doing that? What, what kind of issues did you discover yourself when you try, let's say, all kind of business models, these virtual environments, what you were talking about and these kind of things? Yeah, I mean, when like overlaying or um, I guess like enabling Web2 brands and enterprises with Web3 tech, there's always these like there's this tendency of marketing teams in the last like two years like to be leading these initiatives um with marketing budget um and like it's pretty easy to get caught up in the excitement especially like during the bull um but it was super easy to get caught up in the excitement and like be running in unison with a, a brand and like perhaps even a creative partner um, or an agency that would be involved in a lot of these situations um, and to skip a lot of things or like put yourself in a position and the group in a position to like fail to account for certain like critical elements like um, revenue recognition uh, models that exist in businesses and like commercial models that are consistent like if you think about uh, software, like enterprise software, there's a certain revenue model that has been established and has become like a standard in a sense, like SaaS model. Um, and then there's like slight disruption that's occurred, right, with the usage based model uh, for like compute resources and stuff from AWS. And, um, and that applies pressure to traditional SaaS business models. I think like what we're seeing now is there's pressure being applied to um, business models and to commercial models. And we're realizing that like 
there's maybe space for new models to be discovered um, and to surface as like optimal business models in Web3 that haven't fully been like uncovered yet, I feel like. Uh, I feel like the commercial aspect of uh, programs in Web2 brands, like Web3 programs within Web Enterprises, is that's like one of the most difficult things to nail. And I don't know that any one group has like really, really nailed it. Um, I think you have very different approaches. You have people who want to do uh, free mints that very much so are like uh, indexing on um, like wallets becoming more and more common uh, and like wallet adoption becoming more widespread, be it like you know, a web 2.5 type of wallet experience that brings that or drives that or something new um, that in development currently. Um, but they're in these brands are indexing on that and minting out free collections or open collections with free mints and, and even transaction fees covered um, on on behalf of the brand or on behalf of the user by the brand. And it's all because they want to begin building this like connected consumer profile before it gets so frayed and difficult to like track wallets that consumers are operating and like establishing a connection between these wallets and these consumers and these wallets and each other. Like, you know, is one wallet operated by the same individual? Like brands are starting to be savvy and like realize how blockchain data is like publicly accessible and observable, auditable. Um, and like for some brands, it's about money and some brands, it's not about money. And I think like, we'll see a balance be stricken between those two things in the next like year to year and a half uh, out of necessity. Like people have to figure out the pricing and like um, operating costs, like basis that they can work from um, so that these can continue to live. These programs can continue to be run and not just by marketing, but like that's something mm -hmm. I see people uh, miss as they get excited with marketing and business leaders and they skip over certain aspects of like financial and accounting details, tax policy and procedure, uh, legal and IP rights and ownerships and implications. It, like the list is so big, it's crazy. Um, it's a test and learn thing for a lot of brands, for most brands still. Um, and I know like it's a it's an emphasis on hiring and enterprise companies with web three strategies right now is finding people who can drive commercial and revenue recognition like modeling and, and analysis yeah you said a couple of interesting things here and uh one, one perspective that i can so one thing that i see more and more is when we look back in crypto, in the beginning, it was mostly the devs, right? That had most of the impact on the growth of the space, right? Just creating new stuff and people liked it and uh, communities grew and all that kind of stuff. Then it was, as you said, marketing, right? In the last two years, especially, and a bit earlier as well uh, with the ICOs and so on. And now I guess that's uh, where I fully agree we see that 
the shift goes now finally to actual business related cases right? build something that actually makes sense and some things that I also heavily believe in because I see it with our customers uh, that blockchain data is definitely a big big thing right and when I think two steps ahead right uh, with all that data uh, with those data capturing companies in web 2 right uh, we got personalized ads what did people do they created ad blockers right what would happen uh, from a trend perspective uh, on the blockchain side right some people might switch to privacy related blockchain solutions but at the same time the legal side of things can be really interesting on that side right so that that's definitely going to be especially for businesses as I said, uh, super exciting. Or how do you see that? Or I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, like, <clears throat> I often like frame a lot of these conversations as like there's a consumer always like in the middle of the situation. And like the brands are wherever the consumer is. Like, whatever the consumer is realizing or feels or wants and needs, the brand needs to be like, in the same position, feeling all those things, like realizing all those needs, like acknowledging this, whatever. So person and brand in the middle, there's two pressures that are like approaching them at the same time from opposite angles. One is like regulatory and data privacy and policy, like coming out of Europe largely, um, where the US, they like don't care. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> You know, it is. He didn't say uh, that. <laughs> the U.S. is the best country. <clears throat> uh, anyways, but like you have the regulatory and like policy and like other types of pressure being applied here, coming top down, and then bottom up, you have this pressure coming towards brands that is represented by consumers who have this like kind of like growing ever-growing distrust i feel like for how brands like handle both like acquire and like handle their data like i, I can't i screenshot every time in the news uh there's like a breach of trust and data at any company you know like LastPass had that recently and there's like a million and it sparked all this conversation everywhere uh, but it, that happens so often and like sure people's wallets get drained a lot but like when your wallet, when your wallet gets drained, and I know like that experience can be improved significantly, and like you know it will be, should be, people are focused on it. It's going to happen. Um, but I almost would rather it be like something I did than something someone else did. Like I, that's just like me, and I I might be like you know in my own bubble, living in my own world, like. That's just like my opinion. So anyways, you have these these pressures, people realizing too uh, that they can own their data and not just that they can, but like why it matters and like what benefit it really provides them where they can derive from it, uh, that they have, they own it, they operate it. They can like decide in some sense, not as much of the sense that everyone would lead, lead you to believe that's like incredibly bullish, that they can control the use of their data completely. Um, but 
I see the data play and this like branch that marketers can reach out to and grab as they're being stripped of some of their current capabilities and like um, methods that they'll reach out for this uh, and it will become this common thing. Now, like how people react to brands starting to do this to your point, like there was personalization and like targeted messages and then spam, spam filters. Um, but now it's like, if you, I believe we'll finally reach this point, I guess is the short answer to your question. I think we'll finally reach this threshold, like, or mm -hmm. in time where users have an understanding of the fact that they can control their data and own their data and operate with it, et cetera. Uh, and regulators have pushed brands to the brink of like giving up on like having all of what they used to have. <laughs> and you'll see this like new standard like spread of like, this is the data that's truly necessary for you to like serve your customer and for you to personalize things. Like you don't need to know as much as you've known to do, to, you know, kind of like reach the same target endpoint or like accomplish the same objective. Um, it's going to be about companies like Salesforce and CRM companies all over the place enabling brands to treat data this way and like view consumers in this light and like conduct business with that information, that amount of information and not so much more that they might've been accustomed to in the past. But I think we'll get to that point. That That's an interesting perspective. Um, are you, I, I'm just thinking uh, practically now. Okay. Um, could be wrong mm -hmm. because I must, uh, basically, when I'm a company now, why should I be fine with uh, just knowing about their wallet and how a user behaves with his or her wallet? Like, oh, uh, he, she owns uh, a crypto kitty. He, he might, not, uh, might like this and that and this, right? Uh, from, from my feeling, I guess it could go more in, into that direction that we actually see a combination of both web two and web three data, which actually isn't, I, I know what you mean with owning your data, right? Uh, I own this NFT. Um, nobody can take it away with me, uh, from me that that's uh, fine. That's fully agree with that. The thing is, um, from a privacy perspective, public blockchains, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't say it's an issue. But I don't think either it's an advantage using that. What do you think? Wait, hang on. You said choosing it. Sorry. Um, you using a blockchain, let's say a public mm -hmm. blockchain, as means to trying to resolve the issue of data privacy, uh, doesn't actually resolve the issue, right? You might own. Oh no no no. Uh, no. That's why. That's why I said as much as people would need you to believe. That ah, you okay. Have Okay, okay. Like, I see. Um, and like the ability to restrict access to that. I mean, it's not as much data in all likelihood on your personal information that you're going to have on a public chain as you would have like 
yielded through like cookie information and other types of information previously like you leak a lot in those processes uh often unknowingly or like kind of being led through a process intentionally um but i like i've been talking to a lot of people about this recently and i don't know if do you know about the interrupt uh uh platform uh or the solid platform uh, yeah, so huh? it's called the Solid uh, Protocol uh, from uh, Inrupt, which is the company that's doing. They've created it's an open source uh, protocol, but they've created like an implementation of it that they are commercializing uh, under a company name called Inrupt, and it's um, they just raised I think like thirty million dollars, um, but their uh, CTO and co-founder is uh, Sir Tim Berners Lee. He's, founder inventor of the internet um they are trying to retrofit like the ability to recognize ownership like kind of like web use web 2 means for like retrofitting the current web with what web 3 seeks to add so like web 3 seeks to add native payment rails and like privacy and um, control of your data and whatever, like peer-to-peer exchanges and transfers and whatever, uh, interoperability. They're trying to retrofit the old version of the internet uh, because a lot of what people claim blockchain does, it's not really like what it's best at. Like people try to force a square peg in a round hole. So we've been talking to them, I've been talking to them personally um, and it formed out of MIT. So that's where he spent a lot of his time, like developing it starting in like 2018. Um, but like, I think it'll be a combo of something like what they're building and use of, uh, public blockchain, like wallet operating, um, either email-based wallets or mobile-based applications once certain regulations and like someone stops what's going on in like world of marketplaces. Um, But like, I think we'll get to a point where all that comes to a head, hopefully like that. I mean, the, I would definitely have you uh, check, uh, check out um, the solid uh, platform and and Mm -hmm. Uh, super, super interesting. Uh, non-Web3 approach to privacy. Uh, th- that's really interesting. And thanks for, let's say, uh, that hint. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm also fully convinced that, and I, again, I see it with my customers, right? Nobody actually tries anymore to fully go the decentralization route, to fully bring everything on chain. Now people are recognizing well, it's not about that. It's about UX, bringing value, right? Making something better, adding that maybe ownership, privacy layer, whatsoever, right? Or native payment wheels, as you put it. I really like the word, by the way. And um, I think there's no doubt in that. This will be the way for the next businesses, at least, right? Yeah. And to your point, like when companies in the early days, like did that, they often did that 
and because it was like totally different at the time and like it's going against everything we've known they always like started those projects and at the beginning made a conscious decision to like not use some of their existing technology yeah. uh, in these deployments and then like they used a bunch of stuff that they don't know how to use uh they hired a bunch of people to use that stuff like that didn't teach them on the way out and like the data was never like there was no strategy for the data before the project was deployed um and like real plan for making use of that um so yeah a lot of those that's like where we typically st step in it's like you know talking to brands that have done something mm -hmm. you know six months ago 12 months ago maybe made money maybe different didn't um maybe got some data back maybe didn't um and now they like want to do something else and you know it's funny like some of them still want to do it in like a siloed environment uh without like all of the benefits of capturing the data and it's so hard to, you know, uh, advise certain certain customers when that's the case because it's almost like they're walking right into the same situation and you're just watching it happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's the challenge with Web3 in general, right? You're always running actually on eggshells, right? Uh, there are always some, let's say, stakeholders that are not fine with your approach. Right? Either is it the user because the product is uh, getting worse, right? Isn't as good as it could be or should be, or the investors. Uh, in case of startups, hey, well, uh, there's no round uh, special USP story whatsoever, especially in the bull market times, right? Uh, where all these web three projects got funded like like mad, uh, or you basically have this let's say your your own how to say it you want to be you want to build something different right um most people don't i feel like that don't want to improve something to make it better they want to build something completely new i'm the first ever x yeah and it's fine it's a nice vision but oftentimes these kind of things don't work and don't make sense right and that's probably well i mean like yeah, I mean, it's also like, if you want to be first, I guess like it's always like, but but for what? Um, it's like a lot of the people who went first and ripped off like, and I don't mean like ripped off as in like take advantage, but like, you know, um, made a lot of money like from their early, you know, projects or uh, deployments or whatever. Um, they're now like, they've lived in a hype cycle or were born in a hype cycle and now are coming out of that with like insane expectations on part of consumers who have like through some of their own fault and like um you know tendencies to like fall victim to hype and, and speculation and these types of things have landed themselves in a position where they paid a lot of money for something and they have the expectation that you know, ultimately, this is a big brand. They'll like do right by this, like type of uh, assumption. But like brands only have so much realistically that they can do for a customer. Um, 
you know, and yeah. a lot of times when an NFT is selling for trading hands for five to $7,000, like there's not five to $7,000 worth of utility that the brand had planned to deliver to any token holder. So it's a tough spot to be in. I'd almost rather be, almost rather be starting now in this current environment. Um, to be honest, like, I guess it's a tough claim to make because it's a tough environment for sure. Um, but I'd almost rather be starting now. That, that's interesting perspective because um, oftentimes it always depends on what kind of expectations you have set uh, your audience up with, right? If you say, uh, oh, well, that's my roadmap. Uh, we are going to do that, 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 and you don't do it. Well, um, I guess that's a case for Oliver, right? <laughs> but um, otherwise, uh, yeah, if you are transparent, right? Um, how, how, were, how was that uh, NFT collection called? The Goblins, I think. Uh, those are oh yeah, yeah goblins yeah they actually yeah. started with exactly that no roadmap nothing planned nothing right um yeah and for whatever reason it worked out um i guess it always depends right uh because i don't think it would work now for example so it depends on what kind of project you want to build especially as a company honestly yeah. mo most you know like most of what people did in the early days would never work now. I mean, like if, if what Adidas did then they did now, it would never sell out like ever. Yeah. And like, not like so many things about it, like 30,000 pieces. No, no, that's tough. Like that. Um, the mint price. No, no. Um, like the mint process where like day of is down, of course, like just like a lot of mints. Um, no, like not right now. Uh, crypto payments only, not right now. Um, yeah. I mean, like all identical NFTs in a current like environment where regulators are like very keen to make an example, I, I feel like out of someone. Um, wow. Yeah, there's like so many reasons why it wouldn't work right now. But I mean, like a lot of people look at it and they see that as like this, this kind of example, like they, but they made $23 million uh, in this amount of time. Like, yeah, yeah um, they did, um, you know, but here's where they're at and like where they're left um, and like kind of the situation that they're, they're put in. Um, so it's tough, like I said, I mean, like, I'd almost rather be starting now. Oh, you muted. Oh, there good. Go. One uh, second. Sorry, <laughs> hit, hit the space bar. But um, no, I'd almost rather be starting now, like I said. And I'd like really rather be in a position where I could see how people have communicated and how the communication landed and was like received. Um, I could observe what brands have done and see this like new trend, which seems obvious to me and probably like I'm sure you've seen it a lot, but it, it's like even artifact is, I feel like um, skewing pretty heavily or indexing pretty heavily on it, which is just like any connection between physical and digital uh, this year and like things anchored in like utility uh, that is like 
tangible and uh, can be assigned a price and like valued fairly easily and like objectively. Like that's why I feel like, you know, NFT now publishes an article this week or last week around the five, you know, most likely use cases and common or frequent use cases for NFTs in 2023 and all that. And like, I agree, this is one of them in general. Like I think, uh, it'll be like this trend that most major retail brands hop on, uh, this year for sure. Um, and again, like it reduces the possibility, uh, for speculation and like hype driven buying around your brand, uh, by doing that too. And so I feel like, you know, back to the regulation and concerns over all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I guess it's a good thing, right? Uh, if it's always the same, uh, ad actual adoption can only come if things change, right? If things get regulated in a good way, if, uh, let's say more brands try something out, even if it doesn't work, but people see that now, oh, well, let's do it differently. That didn't work. That worked for sure. That's a different time. Uh, but this tiny aspect could work now as well. And these kind of things, right? And that's, yeah, that's great, right? Why, why not? Yeah, no. yeah. I, I think it's needed uh, for a while. Like there's always going to be things that are difficult to place value on or assign value to because there's like truly an aspect of like, um, like non-objectivity. Non so like uh, partiality, like preference. Um, in art, like you might see something and I might see something and assign very different values to whatever it is. Um, so there's always going to be things with uh, in, very difficult to perceive or imperceivable or non-objective value. Um, photography, art, a lot of these things that have driven the NFT space like to where mm -hmm. it is right now. And in part too, like, where I feel like some of the origin story for speculation um, and like a lot of the claims around money laundering have come from because the old world of art is like full of these things. Um, it, yeah. A lot of people argue that it's the a lot of people's reason for being interested in art, uh, like billionaires having massive uh, art portfolios. Um, but Anyways, I think that'll be interesting. The move to phys uh, physical, uh, physical backed digital goods. Um, and then I'm curious to get your take uh, on like what's going to happen to, I'm interviewing you now, but oh, what's going well, to happen okay. to uh, like the metaverse as everyone was so excited about this this past year? Like, I'm curious to get your take on, are you as hot on all of that this year? Do you see, were you ever really hyped on what people pitched as the metaverse, uh, which in some cases is literally just VR and gaming and not what you would truly define that way. So I, I'm curious to hear what you think for 2023 with all that. Uh, well, uh, you, you have 
to give me an answer too, right? So just a small disclaimer yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm happy. Um, I, I guess I will get in trouble with Diego and so on for that, but I, I think uh, something like a VR, AR uh, world, especially AR, right? You see all these details, uh, let's say merged uh, into your real world view, which is actually, uh, that's a no brainer, right? That's actually making lives better. Virtual worlds, I think, mostly for training scenarios, uh, gaming, these kind of things, um, and some other industries, as you might guess. But I, I don't think what people actually pitch at the metaverse. I, I think people won't spend more in virtual worlds. Either they change the way they are already like our podcast now, our call now, could be in theory, maybe in a really user-friendly metaverse or virtual world. I could imagine something like that, right? Working in virtual environments to make it more like the real world. That makes sense to me. But moving some things from the real world into the metaverse, I highly doubt that, especially with all the trends going away from social media, people trying to reduce the screen time. I don't think that makes sense at all besides gaming what do you think yeah no I, I mean like so i always like put i like use my glasses as an analogy but like change hats like out of my tech you know like yeah. builder persona just into a general consumer like what would i engage with that might be considered a metaverse like i mentioned like i play games like i have an xbox i like some of these assets, like, I don't know if you saw Microsoft moved some of their game assets to Polygon, um, like two years ago, like mm -hmm. there, like there's a Paul Brody video, uh, cause they worked on it with EY. Um, and I don't know what came of it. Like I haven't seen anything in game, like where I can like kind of tell um, or have like any realization that I'm interacting with some blockchain asset, but like maybe that's the intention and that's the design. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so like there's that, and then I would absolutely wear glasses or contacts that, uh, enabled some type of augmented reality experience. Like, yeah, I don't know how, how far I'd go with like, you know, like, I probably would take like a chip in my arm uh, that enabled <laughs> enabled something, uh, or like Neuralink. I don't know if I'd get it. Oh, far, but... it's coming this year, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but but like I I think like those are the places where I would interact with those types of things. But again, like these things too, they don't have to include like blockchain based assets. Like, so, I mean, like, I'm really not even saying like that I would engage with the metaverse. I'm saying that I would engage with experiences that people often affiliate with the metaverse, but not necessarily like exclusively with the metaverse. So like, I, it matters to me, sure, that I can um, like own things digitally, but I don't know that I'm convinced that it matters so much to me that I own those things 
in these environments, like for these, for purposes of enhancing these experiences. Maybe in the case of like augmented reality, um, if Google like <laughs> changes maps and says like this part of maps, uh, augmented reality is like now only available for purchase and hmm. you like have to have this token to use this or whatever it is, who knows what it is. Um, but like, then yeah, sure. You know, it's important to me that I own it because it gives me something that I gates access to something that I want. Um, if there's no like genuinely necessary purpose or requirement for it to be a token or live on chain, I think there's going to be a massive push against it. Like there has been, and like we've seen in gaming. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know that I'm so bullish on it. In the early days of our conversations, we used to have so many conversations uh, with brands thinking about those activations, and it's just not as common now. Um, or um, it's definitely, to your point, shifted in terms of people's intention that they bring uh, when they assess these opportunities. Like it's more around earned media and engagement and um, gamifying an experience uh, for consumers when you maybe convince like work in a pretty straightforward like transactional industry like mm -hmm. providing some type of gamified experience could be interesting to enhance engagement and customer experience um, training definitely um, collaboration for sure um, I just don't know about again like the commercial challenge um it, it's huge and everyone's trying to measure it like that way like not based on any type of new set of kpis like, i've had this conversation with seb uh from the sandbox mm -hmm. and it's like people bring all of their old measures into these new spaces in tech and they try to apply the old like methods for measuring success to these new strategies or tactics um, and new methods uh, of like getting gaining attention and and uh, and like that's yeah. I guess the purpose of marketing. Uh, so like, anyways, it's he's he and I have had these like conversations about. Well, what are the right metrics and how can you dis like disseminate a standard for measuring success that is taken up by enough companies uh, where it becomes a standard like yeah hopefully it's through like platforms um, like ours that can help but yeah long road that's definitely an interesting uh question I think especially when it comes to corporate use cases, right? Why has it to be that big of a thing, right? Why can't it just be native payments to reduce fees? Why can't it be just, uh, well, you want to buy a skin with the advantage of being able to resell it to someone else. Why can't it be just a little feature, right? Um, that, that's my perspective a little bit, but um, 
Um, yeah. You mentioned that too earlier, people wanting to be the first to do this, the first to do that, to offer something completely new and different, to have something be the center of the experience. And yeah. it's ego, like a lot of it's ego. I think so too, um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Well, it's okay. It evolves the space, but uh, bad for the time spent on it, right? In the end. Cool. Yeah. yeah? Sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. Let's okay. let's dive in. I mean, I feel like we um, we covered a good bit of ground there. Yeah. Uh, I basically would have a last question for you, if that's okay. And. Mm -hmm. Yes. just to wrap it up basically do you have let's say three key takeaways or three things you would like people to remember from this actual discussion which is great um yeah i guess like um first one is uh i am a huge proponent i, I sounds like you uh, are too but of uh, not recreating the wheel um, and not trying to believe that you must start from scratch or that you must leverage some new or foreign technology. Like, I know I say that with bias, um, building like what I'm building at Salesforce. Um, but I do think it's important regardless of what you ultimately decide to use uh, if you deploy a program like this um, to have a means for measuring it uh, after the fact, like you always have in like traditional conventional web two projects, being able to determine a plan or a strategy for how you get the data and leverage the data after the fact is super important um, so that you don't end up in a position like a lot of the brands we talked about that have done a test and learn without setting themselves up for the chance to really learn anything at all. Uh, so that's definitely one. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, another would be... Um, Don't need to press out things if you're just saying here. No. <laughs> yeah, no. I, another, I would say, is um, lean on specialists. Um, there's like tons of people who have gained a lot of experience and lawyers like Oliver, I think of. Like that's like... Oliver's a good guy in general, so I'll plug Oliver yeah. any day, but um, also like realizing that there are certain attorneys who have learned a lot about this in the last several years uh, and like you know, reaching out to those types of specialists is super important. Also like figuring out and, and engaging your legal and finance teams early and not getting so blinded by um, a fun creative idea um, or financial opportunity that you skip really important, uh, steps to get started. So those are, those are my big pieces of advice. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks Max really for taking that, uh, time out of your day. Um, really enjoyed it, uh, especially because it was a really casual, cool discussion with you and yeah. We'd say also thank you everyone for watching and if you have any questions drop them below and yeah okay thanks Kev.
Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want.